there, Broadbeans. It's Jamie Dale, and whoo, has it been a hot minute since our last episode in Playing Appalachia, our current series of conversations with Appalachian and Appalachian-adjacent gamers and game makers. We are diving right back in this week with Appalachian transplant Meredith Wilson. Wilson used to do public health research at Virginia Tech's Biocomplexity Institute, where she designed mobile games about diseases that were literally going viral before she herself was infected with the game dev bug. Now she's the founder and lead game designer for Bedhouse Games, a small indie video game studio in rural Virginia that makes playful games with serious messages. While not originally from the Appalachian region, Wilson's work, as well as the way that she works, has been impacted by her experience with the people that live there. And we are the lucky ones that get to hear about it. Speaking of hearing things, I'd love to hear from you. Please hit me up on Twitter at JDSepticon, that's J-A-Y-D-E-E-C-E-P-T-I-C-O-N, or by email at gamingbroadly at gmail.com. I love hearing from my listeners like H.M. Madsen M. Shop, who told me that going in as someone from outside the USA, I was very confused about what in the whole world Appalachia was and why it was any kind of deal. And to be honest with you, H.M., I'm pretty sure a good joke of the U.S. did not think Appalachia was that big a deal until 2016 either. So you're in good company. Anyone else out there in the world who just figured out that Appalachia was a deal, big or otherwise, let me know. And as far as deals go, Meredith Wilson is the real big deal of this episode, so let's get to it, shall we? And welcome to another episode of Gaming Broadcast, the official podcast of GamingBroadly.com. I'm your host, Jamie Dale, the main broad over at Gaming Broadly, and today we are continuing on in our series of Appalachia and video games. Today we are joined by Meredith Wilson, who is a public health epidemiologist turned video game developer, who's a participant in Oculus Launchpad 2017, and is currently developing a Gear VR video game. Um, and she's housed, she's housed in the beautiful Appalachian region, so we're going to discuss what that's like. So Meredith, how are you today? I'm good, thank you, and thanks so much for having me on the show. <laughs> thanks for coming. Uh, all my guests are always super interesting, so you get to join the legion of people I think are super interesting. Oh, I hope I live <laughs> up to the hype. <laughs> 100%, 100 guaranteed. Um, so I'm going to get right in and kind of ask about, like, what's your story behind getting into to games and VR? Or virtual reality, for those who don't know what VR is, sorry. Um, let's see. Well, I think I'll actually start with how it is that I got into to VR, because, um, um, you know, now that I think back on it, I, I mean, I always had, like, an interest when it first showed up in, like, the 90s, but, uh, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of embarrassing to talk <laughs> about it now, but um, there was this show. The 90s show. are embarrassing for everyone yeah, to talk about. Yeah, but there was this one <laughs> show called VR5. It aired for, like one season in 1995 it is like the most ridiculous show ever um i'm pretty sure the uh, the front case for it became like a meme once vr became a thing again it's 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 just ridiculous it's about like this uh uh, this this woman who is like really into you know vr stuff kind of but she figures out a way to like 
hack into people's minds through the telephone, but through VR. I'm like, not joking. This was like the show that played right before the, like the first season of the X-Files. So that was like the block it was in. But anyway, that's, that's like, um, kind of was like the first early exposure where I was like, oh man, that would be really cool. Actually. I'd love to, you know, to hack into someone's brain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, except for that. Well, I was thinking more of the VR part. Uh, but, but, uh, but no, it's actually, um, it wasn't actually too long ago that I, I, uh, you know, started thinking about, you know, doing VR, you know, seriously as a, a game developer. I mean, I, um, I started up my, uh, indie studio, um, a little, let's see, it's, it's just about two years now and it's, you know, it's pretty much just me and occasionally some of my friends working on stuff. And, um, yeah, I was, I was pretty set on, you know, just doing regular 2d and, and 3d games, but then it was, um, um, at the 2015, Games for Change Summit um, at the Tribeca Film Festival that um, I tried this this VR experience. It wasn't a game, but it was a this Vive experience called a Kia, and it's a domestic violence. Um, uh, oh shoot, what's that? What's that journalistic group that kind of started up VR journalism? It was like one of the first uh, groups of journalists to to start doing um, uh, virtual reality pieces. So they did like uh, the uh, uh, that one where you're going into an abortion clinic you know, seeing what that's like, you know, getting heckled by people outside. Oh. Yeah. I mean, and it was, it was an amazing, super impactful experience. Um, and, uh, I was t- talking to the woman who was running the booth for a little while afterwards. And she mentioned this, uh, women in AR VR Facebook group. And, uh, I was like, well, you know, I'm not doing anything in VR, but she was like, ah, oh, whatever, just, you know, this is a good place to start if you're at all interested in it, because, you know, it's great for networking and resources and stuff. And, uh, anyway, so, um, she got me into the group, uh, cause you know, you have to be invited in and, um, you know, when I was just kind of looking around there, I saw this, uh, you know, sign up sheet for, uh, the MIT VR hackathon that was happening that year. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know if I'll actually be able to get into this thing. Um, <laughs> cause I was like still pretty new to gaming period, but you know, I got in and, you know, went and did the hackathon and like within what a 48 hour period had like, you know, helped make a, a daydream, um, experience. And I was like, well, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was. Cause you know, good old unity is trying to make it as easy as possible to, you know, go from a, a 3d game development to, um, VR. So I was like, you know, I could actually just do this seriously. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, yeah, I, um, applied to the Oculus Launchpad project, uh, or uh, program sometime later, um, like a, yeah, like a year or so later and got in. And so, you know, here I am. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. And the fact that you started out as a, a public health epidemiologist is super fascinating. Like how did, how did your experience, I guess, as a public health epidemiologist, is there, <laughs> which is such a mouthful to say, <laughs> I, you could just say epidemiologist. That's fine. I mean, it, it kind of steers people in the right direction because sometimes when they hear epidemiologist, they're like, is that skin related? Because they're you know, <laughs> thinking epidermis, which is fine. <laughs> well, I mean, how does how does your experience as an epidemiologist, how did that um, kind of connect you into game making? I guess we should define what an epidemiologist is now that we've said what it is. Yeah. So an epidemiologist (laughs) is somebody who studies the spread of diseases. Um, So it's, it's like population level um, health stuff. So anytime you see stats in the news about, you know, um, something causing cancer or not causing cancer, whatever, it's usually based off of epidemiological studies. 
So, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it's accounting with people is <laughs> kind of what it's, what it's like. Um, no, I mean, it, it is kind of an interesting road though. Um, I mean, I've always been an avid gamer just, just since forever. And, um, uh, yeah, after I graduated from grad school at university of Florida, I got a job at Virginia tech working as an epidemiologist and it was, you know, I mean, it was, it was fine. I was there for about like, you know, four years as research faculty, but, um, academia is just a little, it's like kind of not for me. (laughs) I like things to be a little faster paced, but, um, anyway, while I was there, the one really cool thing I got to do was, um, design a science outreach game. It was like this little mobile game that was just, you know, to teach kids and people how, uh, contact based diseases spread. So like flu, you know, if you get close to somebody that has the flu, you have a chance of getting it, that sort of thing. And so it's like this cute little, you know, you're spreading of a zombie virus game or you're, you're vaccinating people against a zombie virus. Um, it's called virus tracker if you want to look it up. And, uh, it's like the original definition of like going viral. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, that was the most fun I had while I was working there. So once I was done and, you know, still living in Appalachia, which has incredibly low cost of living. I was like, Oh, you know, now is the time to, you know, <laughs> start, start strike a small out business. And- <laughs> right. Exactly. Strike out, see what happens. New frontiers. Exactly. I mean, um, it's such a cool, funny story. I love hearing how people get into video games. I, I would say that very rarely is the story. Like I went to school for video games and now I make video games. Yeah. It's usually, I think eventually it might get to that point and I don't know if oh, I'm definitely. happy or sad about that, but I love the fact that for right now, it seems like everyone is getting into it in really strange and wonderful and funny ways. Um, so in terms of the Oculus Launchpad program, what, what is that? Like, how did you, how did you get into that? It's, it's really cool. It's an amazing program. It's basically, um, Oculus's, uh, effort to get more women and, uh, minorities like underrepresented, uh, people making uh, virtual reality content. Cause there's that, that, you know, real concern that, um, you know, if like virtual reality is not going to take off as a, uh, platform, if more, you know, if people other than like, you know, your, your stereotypical, like, uh, um, you know, straight white male, like gamers are the the only ones buying it. I mean, that's, that's fine. They are like, you know, the bedrock of early adopters. So you definitely need them. But if you want to um, have something that's like really sustainable, you got to get more and more people, um, you know, of different demographics and backgrounds using virtual reality. So um, in an effort to try to like, you know, help that expansion along They're They're started up this wonderful program. That's kind of like an accelerator program where, you know, you get in, you get to go out to, uh, um, you know, Facebook headquarters for like a couple days for like boot camp. you know, meet people, come up with like a, a project idea. And then you get like, you know, some hardware to work with. And then, you know, over a three month period, you make like a, a game demo and a, demo and a proposal, or, I mean, it doesn't have to be a game. It can be like any virtual reality experience. And, you submit it to them and they, uh, you know, review it and decide if they're going to, you know, fund it or not for, for further development. And even if they don't fund it, you still have access to like, you know, a ton of Oculus resources and, you know, mentorship and whatnot. So, I mean, I just highly recommend it. <laughs> even if you haven't done anything in virtual reality and you're kind of interested in, in getting into it, it's, it's really fantastic program.
let's see, uh, well, how would I describe this? I want to call it like, you know, view mobility or something like that. So like in, if, if you're playing like a, you know, regular 3D game that's being deplay, displayed on like a 2D screen, it's hard to do things like glance over your shoulder really quickly. Um, that's usually kind of awkward, you know, involves some swiveling thumbs or like, you know, every so often if they give you like one of those, like quickly look over your shoulder buttons sort of things, and then it snaps back sort of, sort of deal. Like, um, that is super cumbersome, like in, in, uh, with just like a regular game controller, but in VR, it becomes like a very sort of natural movement to just sort of glance over your shoulder. And I have a theory that this is why all of the, uh, the, the horror genre is doing so well in virtual reality right now is because that's all about like, oh, look, look behind you <laughs> really quickly. <laughs> There's something scary behind you. So, um, so I really, I like that. I like the fact that it's like so easy to kind of like look around the, the space that the player's in. Um, or, you know, if, if, you know, say I'm the player, I mean, I really like the fact that I can just take, uh, or I don't know, it just kind of like encourages you to take more time to like look around the scenes you're in. And, um, yeah, it's just that freedom of freedom of movement with like, you know, the, the camera that's, I think is super fantastic. Um, I mean, it, it definitely is like immersion is the big word. It contributes, you know, hugely to immersion and, uh, that's pretty cool. I think at least, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard other people say that that kind of intense immersion creates opportunities for more, I guess, empathetic connections to the avatar in the game. Have you found that to be true at all? Um, you know, I act it's it's really bad, but I haven't actually played enough um, VR games to say <laughs> whether or not that's the case. I like um for for a, like a VR developer, I, I do mobile VR, so I am like you know mostly confined to cell phones right now since I don't have like a Rift or a Vive. Um, you don't have thousands of dollars to <laughs> yeah, to spend well, on multiple types of VR like, equipment. <laughs> Right, right. I'd have to like upgrade my computer, which I'm like not quite at a point where I want to do yet. So I'm just kind of like, well, you know, (laughs) but um, yeah, I haven't really played any experiences yet that are that kind of have that, uh, um, uh, like put you in the, the, the shoes of the, um, you know, the, uh, specific person. Like, let's say I played, uh, monument. No, no. It's by the guy that did monument Valley. It's called land's end. Mm-hmm. Um, that is an amazing gear VR game, like truly amazing. Um, I don't know if I, I mean, it's very emotive. Like it's got a, a strong sort of like, a um, uh, very like inspiring ambient feel to it. But, um, I wouldn't say necessarily that it like is, would make you feel more empathy. Uh, yeah. Cause the, the, the thing you're, the person you're playing isn't really like, you don't really know anything about them. So it's sort of, sort of hard to empathize with them. But, um, I mean, I, I definitely think there's potential for it there for sure. But, um, but so far I haven't really gotten a chance to dig into that. Me either. Deep, dark secret is that I, I'm deeply scared of playing VR because I'm afraid I'm going to get some sickness, um, which my friend Kyle is probably listening and laughing at this because he makes fun of me every time I say that. He's like, you're just Aww. looking for excuses not to try. You should just try it. <laughs> I know I will. I'm going to, I'm going to look into that cardboard. The Google Cardboard. I heard it's a, a nice and cheap and easy way to do it. But yep. are you allowed to talk about your demo? This is a nosy question. Oh, yeah, I can talk about it uh, a bit. I mean, it's it's unannounced. It, w- it will be, you know, regardless of whether or not it gets funded, I'll, you know, finish it um, eventually. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so I am a sucker for um, space racer and flight sims and uh, flight simulators. And um, so that's what I was working on in Gear VR, but it also has like a story component to it. So it's kind of like a combination of, um, let's see, what can you compare it to? It's a little bit like Descent or, um, and here I'm really dating myself. I mean, not that Descent doesn't already date me, but um, <laughs> Rebel Assault was like one of my favorite first computer games I ever played. It was a Star Wars like flight simulator CD-ROM from way back when. And it's, it's a, it's a fantastic game. And I was like, man, if I do anything in VR, it's going to be like some amazing, like flight sim type thing. I mean, and I know there's a bunch out there, but whatever, one more isn't going to like (laughs) (laughs) hurt anything. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a sci-fi, the the story itself is sci-fi. And what I wanted was to like add a a sort of like first person exploration component to it as well. So an almost like sort of slow paced gone home type, um, like component to it as well. So you got like, you know, a fast paced, um, like fight flight simulator part of it. And then, you know, the story happens during like those slower first person exploration parts. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, a, it's like a weird combination of action and slow sci-fi because that's, uh, that's one of the things that I think VR is actually really good for is, is, a kind of moments of slower gameplay. So, um, anyway, yeah, that's, that's what I'm working on right now. I know that's probably you know, too vague, but <laughs> I gotta no, keep it beautiful. like that for now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, growing up, I played a lot of there was that really old school flight simulator that was like a plane that you had to like get off the ground. It was like a side scroller one. Oh, I can't remember. It was like super old, that. very, very old. It might've just been called flight simulator. <laughs> it, nice. was, it was like one of the, um, the most original ones. And then I played a lot of, it was on N64. I don't know if I would call it a flight simulator so much as a star Wars game in which you flew a lot. I mean, maybe arcade simulator. I uh, yeah, I actually have trouble um, categorizing that genre too. Because I mean, flight simulator sounds a little too you know formal. Like this is what we use to train helicopter pilots, and I'm like, well, it's not that. <laughs> but space racer is kind of something that I've fallen back on. But maybe arcade flight simulator is the proper term. Mm, um, exciting. So yeah. just like going somewhere quickly right. and avoiding it's- obstacles. Exactly. With like, you know, more freedom of movement than you would have if you were in like, you know, a first person shooter or anything like that. So you get to go X, Y, and Z. (laughs) Well, I know earlier you said in terms of like deciding to step out on this, this venture of um, making virtual reality games that you stayed in Virginia. And Mm -hmm. is there any other reasons that because you're not originally from the area, right? You you moved there? No, I'm from all over. So I'm originally from New Jersey and then lived in Boulder, Colorado for a long time. Went to grad school in uh, Gainesville, Florida, and then moved to uh, Virginia for for uh, to Blacksburg, Virginia. Well, technically Christiansburg, but Blacksburg area for um, um, uh, work after grad school. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think we'll stay here forever. Like me and my husband probably won't stay here forever. But, you know, as far as places to start small businesses that are like, you know, pretty much exclusively digital. It's, it's pretty forgiving because the, the cost of living is so nice and low, um, while still having high speed internet. So, (laughs) um, what's something, 
I guess because making VR games in Appalachia is not usually typically the narrative you hear, I guess, on the news. Like most of the time when I talk to developers, (laughs) they're living in places like California or New York or these like very intense urban hubs. Is there something that has surprised you about living in that region? Um, oh, well, I mean, I I can't say I was surprised that there's like basically no um, VR development scene here. I mean, there's a little bit going on at uh, Virginia Tech right now, there's, there's a, I mean, there's some, there's some work being done in VR, but I mean, it's all kind of confined to the university. There's not really like a dev scene outside of the university, um, other than me (laughs) that I know of. Um, so, uh, so that wasn't totally surprising. Um, just as far as like living in the area, and I know this has nothing to do with video games, but I was shocked at the amount of rock climbing that there is around here. (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a, a rock climber, rocks, but I'm like, so <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's not what you'd picture. I mean, especially as someone coming from from having lived in Colorado for so long. And, you know, I, I climbed some rocks and uh, <laughs> I just wasn't expecting there to be like a big rock climbing scene here. But there totally is. It's uh, let's see. There's um there's several places. I want to say the big one is the uh, New River Valley Gorge, I want to say. Yeah. Um, has some of the best climbing in the country which was like news to me. So, um, yeah, that's, that was very surprising. Have you done a lot of climbing while you were there? Um, a little bit. Or while you are uh, there, present tense. (laughs) I'm like totally not an outdoors person, which is like also funny considering I'm from Colorado, but, uh, (laughs) I, I, I mostly climb indoors, which is, I know super lame, but every so often my friends drag me outside and, you know, then I go and get my vitamin D and and social, (laughs) Before put I go on back your, inside. Uh, your sunscreen. Yeah, before I go back inside and put on my VR stuff again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I um it's very funny that you keep moving to these like intensely outdoorsy regions. <laughs> oh yeah. It's very funny <laughs> to, to stay me inside too. as much as possible. It's great scenery when you drive. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I um I'm always because I, I since I grew up in Western North Carolina, my drive to anywhere when I was younger always was flanked by like beautiful rolling hills. And as soon as I moved away from there, I was like, oh, man, I forgot that that was pretty until it's yeah. gone. And now it's too late. <laughs> it's too late. They're not here anymore. Yeah, it's it's really nice. I'm definitely going to miss that for sure. It's just beautiful scenery for sure. actually thought of like sort of capturing the the you know the feel of Appalachia and the the spaces I make I've um um I don't know I guess I might be just a little bit more people centric because the thing that that you know has really influenced me just living here is is um taking a closer look at the uh the sort of characters that you see in um video games like especially sci-fi video games you usually don't see a whole lot of like blue collar workers cast as like you know, the heroes in the sci-fi genre, like with the, the huge exception of the first alien movie, cause they were all blue collar <laughs> workers. <laughs> and, uh, and actually the expanse right now on sci-fi on the sci-fi channel, the show they have right now, like technically the heroes are also like blue collar in that, but generally speaking, it's like, you know, you're, um, the super famous astronaut or the super famous scientist or like something like that. Like definitely a merchant not with- bounty hunter. Or, yeah, or a bounty hunter. I, think like, I guess that's technically blue collar. I don't know. But yeah, I, know, I, mean, I feel like bounty hunter is one of those that I, I'm not sure how yeah, to define what sure. types of collar you have. Yeah. 
Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, as far as just like, you know, the sort of like everyday workers sort of thing, not, you know, um, um, definitely not like white collar types, like getting into sci-fi adventures. I'm like, yeah, I like, I like that. You know, you don't really see so much of that. So it's definitely something I try to, or, or kind of have, you know, my mind moving towards when I, when I, um, create characters, like for the, the gear VR game I'm working on right now, it's like, oh, the, the heroes are all just sort of almost what you would describe as like, like, uh, I don't know, the interstellar coal miners of the future who eventually rise up against the, you know, the corporation they work for, which, uh, you know, it's it, it definitely reminiscent of like the history of Appalachia. Cause like some of our, some of our biggest, um, workers' rights movements have started um, in the, the the coal mines, like in Appalachia, uh, West Virginia. I want to say specifically, back in the twenties, like the let's see, there's a huge one. What was that? Uh, Battle of Blair Mountain. I want to say. I'm so impressed. That's some good. You've learned quite a lot of history from yeah from living there. It's stuff that was totally off my radar, but yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's because these you know ten thousand workers literally took up arms. <laughs> against the uh you know because of these appalling conditions that they were they were living in i mean they're part of the reason why we have weekends and stuff so so anyway i like the idea of trying to capture some of some of those um you know making characters like that in the games that i work on Ooh, that's so exciting well now i want to ask more nosy questions about your characters are you are you able to talk about any of them? Is that allowed? Oh, um, I mean, I think I probably t- I've already mentioned like all the things that I can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it! Like Secrecy. the broad brushstrokes. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait for me to like put an announcement on my website first. <laughs> I know we'll have to do a, a part two of of Meredith's interview yeah. once it's out to come out. And be like, tell me all of the details. Absolutely. It's cool. I like the broad the broad brushstrokes. I mean, because I love what you said about casting blue collar workers is um i was gonna say is the heroines but i guess i <laughs> the hey, heroes, some of them are the heroines pretend- yes so always it's not exciting. incorrect <laughs> i mean that's another one is having just women in blue collar positions in media has always been a struggle also so you're killing two birds with one stone there so before you moved to appalachia what were the kinds of characters that you were you were making or I guess, were you making any characters before you I, moved I wasn't to Appalachia? I was actually making any characters before I moved to Appalachia, but I definitely wouldn't, um, I don't think I would have gone in the, that direction of, uh, you know, trying to get the, 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 the blue collar, like uprising sort of thing going on. Um, so yeah, I don't actually, that's, that's actually a really, really interesting question. Like what would my characters be like if I hadn't moved here? Definitely not the same. Um, uh, I really hope that they wouldn't have just been like the, you know, all the, the, you, the people you expect to find, like, you know, the, this person who is the top of their class forever and ever. I probably wouldn't have made that character because I've never been at the top of any class. So <laughs> 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 Got to start with what you know. I mean, that's so I love that you're you're doing that and you kind of mentioned that because I think for me at this point in our our political time period, but probably also historically, there's kind of a sense that people from um, Appalachia specifically, but also blue collar folks in general are in some ways not, not protagonist material for, for various reasons. Um, One of them being, I, I don't know if people from the region are always seen as very socially active or ethical. Yeah. It, that's a tough thing for sure. Cause I mean, I, um, huh, 
Well, the, the thing that I'm working on is that like so far in the future, I'm like, you know, hopefully Trump and all that nonsense is away and like a speck <laughs> in the rear view. <laughs> um, so so that won't be an, you know, an issue anymore. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's something like and uh, I mean, like I'm not a I'm not an anthropologist in the reason in the region by 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 any means. But um, definitely I, I uh, um, so I can't really speak to like what the. Uh, you know, the, the real, you know, underlying climate is here. I mean, I, I think people are certainly like really nice and helpful to each other where I live. And, you know, the neighborhood I'm, I live in is like a very mixed race neighborhood and, you know, everybody helps everybody and, and that's nice, but you know, that's just my neighborhood. And, you know, definitely in my experiences living here have been, you know, positive for the most part, but I'm also a white woman. So, <laughs> and, and you can't, you know, um, you can't ignore that as, a uh, uh, being something that would, is, is really going to affect your experience living here. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, I do like to think, I, I really do like to think that there is this, you know, sort of, um, uh, like ethical and moral fortitude to like, you know, do the right thing when, when encountered with, um, you know, somebody else being treated badly that, you know, would eventually, or, or, you know, hopefully manifest. I mean, maybe I'm like super naive. I don't know. But, um, like, I mean, like looking at the Charlottesville thing, I mean, that's not too far away from where I live. That's how far away is Charlottesville from me? I want to say that's about two hours or something like that. But I mean, like, I, I think the city itself was completely like shocked by everything that happened. And I mean, a lot of those folks that came in, you know, or that, uh, um, you know, caused that, that horrible alt-right, like, you know, um, riot thing. And, and then you had like the guy driving the car that, well, he's a terrorist. Um, I mean, those were like people that came in from like outside of Appalachia, which is like, completely i'm not saying that there isn't that sentiment like around but i'm like oh man this is this looks terrible <laughs> <laughs> the optics are not great <laughs> the optics are not great it's it, yeah but um but hey we showed them in the most recent election by god it's one of those like hard questions where you're like well let's see i'm making something that you know I'm making a game that has characters who could very well have been plucked from like the region I'm in but it's like so far in the future what are the politics and the, the what's the politics and the culture going to be like? And I, I like to I like to think that at the very least, like this um, ability to sort of like all together say, you know what, this is wrong. You know, what's happening is wrong. And we're, we're willing to take a very serious stand to make, you know, changes happen. I want to say that that's preserved, like that characteristic is preserved and and, uh, you know, gets used towards a a, you know, a greater, a really greater good sort of thing. You had a beautiful quote. It wasn't a quote. It was just a thought that you had. <laughs> In my mind, it's now a quote because it was so impressive. It was something about the relationship between education and ethical decision making. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I, I'm so glad you brought that up and remembered it because I, I completely spaced it. Yeah. That, so that's that's another sort of thing that I want to combat with, um, you know, the characters I make is this idea that that um, um, like having a, a, a strong like, um, ethical leanings or, or being able to, um, um, 
yeah, like just, just a, be an ethical person is very much tied to education level, which I think we can all agree after all the stuff coming out of Silicon Valley with the sexual harassment and discrimination and whatnot is obviously not true. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, coming from, from academia, like, you know, I can, I can also tell you that's not true. There's plenty of unethical people in academia. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> I would. Yeah. Like it's, it's, uh, it's all over the place and it's definitely not restricted to, to, um, um, you know, how much education you have. So that's, but you know, it's still this, this very, very pervasive uh, stereotype that if you're, um, you know, if you're not well educated, then, you know, kind of by definition, you're less likely to, you know, make moral decisions, which is completely wrong. But, uh, but yeah, that's something that I kind of uh, have always been like really, um, well, I've been pretty interested with that for, for a while now. Um, just with all of the, you know, the things breaking the news about like, uh, um, like the, the Google manifesto that came out and, you know, obviously that's like, <laughs> like not the, not the worst infraction in left. the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, uh, um, like the, uh, uh, sexual harassment that happens in academia, like that's, I mean, that started to break a little bit. Um, there's like a recently, I want to, I forget which journal it's in, but there's like a nice piece about how, um, basically there's going to be a bunch of Harvey Weinsteins of science that will no doubt surface. Well, that are like in the process of surfacing, like there was that, um, um, I want to say he was a physics or astronomy professor. I forget where exactly he was, but he was recently like, you know, fired from a tenure tracked position for basically harassing people for decades, harassing women and students that worked in his lab for decades. And yeah, anyway, the guy was like crazy famous in his field and, and like obviously a smart person on paper, but oh my God, was not a good person like at all. Um, one of the things that living in Appalachia has really made me look at more is that um, not so much changed the way that I look at the, the games, but it definitely affects how I look at uh, gamer demographics, um, which is kind of, you know, one of my, my little little fun side hobby type things. I really like researching gamer demographics. And this is where like, you know, the epidemiologist in me kind of comes through because like we're all about like, you know, demographics and people and like that sort of thing, population level uh, characteristics. And um, it definitely makes me look at like sort of who the games are aimed towards usually. And that's, I would say kind of more, um, I don't know if urban is quite urban might be a little too strong, but, but more, um, like games are kind of made for, for people from more like, like populous areas. Like generally speaking, I don't think they're really looking at rural gamers as like a, you know, how do we hit that demographic? Even though, you know, there's kind of nothing to do, but play games out here. I mean, I want to say that, that like one of the, uh, um, uh, it's super Mario or Mario, like one of the, one of the people that own has like the, uh, the record for uh, speed running through um, one of the Mario games like lives actually not too far away from me. He's like in the same city as me um, <laughs> in like Christiansburg, Virginia. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, I know. Right. So I'm like, well, I, and there, there's definitely a lot of game playing happening here for sure. 
Um, I don't know how it compares to like, like urban places, but I was kind of like, huh, man, um, I wonder if anybody is thinking about that at like, you know, <laughs> like the, the, the AAA companies or whatever, the fact that like, like so many people in rural America play, play video games. Cause I mean, there's sort of nothing else to do. Well, I mean, depending on where you are, if you're like me and you don't ever go outside, um, then <laughs> video games are like, your, the, that's your fallback, you know? Um, so, so anyway, yeah, so that, that's something that I kind of hadn't really thought about before. Um, you know, I always thought that, that, uh, prior to moving to a rural area, I just kind of assumed that, you know, there wasn't going to be a huge interest in video games and I was completely wrong. So, wow, <laughs> so that's, that's beautiful. That's kind of cool. I, I love that you said that. That's so amazing. I'm so, I'm like basking in the glow of that question. Um, because okay. as someone who did grow up there, I, did, I mean, I clearly played video games because um, yeah. I still talk about them <laughs> quite a lot. They affected me enough to want to talk about them for, for my life. But yeah, it was something that I did a lot with my friends. Like we would drive great distances to like go play games um, or like play on, on land, local area networks. I mean, I had never thought about it, but it was because other things were much further away. Like the movie theater was like an hour drive or oh something. <laughs> yeah. Like I lived quite, quite boonies. Yeah. It, it's different now, but growing up, it was pretty intense. And there wasn't the like downtown was one street and had like a coffee shop and <laughs> and like a restaurant, I think. Yeah. Like, it was not a, a bustling metropolis by any means. So we did. We we entertained ourselves a lot with with video games. Um and I had never thought about the fact that game developers don't realize that there are people who play games. I don't even know if they think about the space people are playing games in sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's definitely, I mean, it was off my radar, but I mean, you know, before I moved here, I wasn't really thinking about making games like at all. So once I did become like a game developer and started paying attention more to like, you know, what people were, were playing in the area that I lived in, I was, you know, I just kind of assumed like, oh, people do outdoor stuff, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you re- live in a rural area and it's come, yeah, totally wrong. Um, nope, there are and, shut-ins uh, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, if I trade notes with like, you know, my friends who, who live in um, big cities who are like, yeah, now that I think of it, like I know far more or or far, far more non-gamers from cities than I do non-gamers from rural areas. I mean, if if you're looking within the same age bracket, um, if you're looking in the same age bracket, I I think I've probably come across like a higher number of non-gamers from like urban areas than like rural areas. So there's like a higher percentage of people playing like say within the, uh, you know, 18 to, to 30 bracket sort of thing, which is kind of like a core, well, 18 to 35 is kind of the core gamer group, I want to say. But um, yeah, I could be wrong about that. Somebody fact check me. <laughs> no, I think that's like, yeah. I mean, that's a great research question. I have not stumbled upon anyone doing research of, of that depth in terms of geography and game playing, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, even just the, I, I feel like growing up, there was always just a culture of game playing, not just video games, but like card games, like sitting around type games, um, board games was a big thing. I just remember a ton of board games, like not board games. Ugh. I remember playing a ton of card games growing up and how that was, that was definitely a thing, especially since a lot of us didn't have necessarily great TV reception. So I, we played games more than watch TV a lot of times, at least in my household. 
Ah, so many good questions. Now I need to make someone go do that research. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I mean, it is it is kind of an interesting thing when you think about it. Like, you know, when when uh, there isn't anything else to do, p- people do start like creating games or, um, you know, playing games. I mean, it's like that's the fallback. If there's not TV, there's like games or if there's not like, you know, concerts to go to or whatever, then yeah, that's that's kind of that's the thing you do. And, um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised at myself that I didn't realize, you know, or fully appreciate that until I like moved out here. Yeah. And I'm curious what the difference, and I'd have to think about it. I I think sometimes when we play video games, we forget that the space we play them in has an impact on our experience. So I'm wondering Mm -hmm. how the, this is of course rambling on for another day, but, uh, (laughs) how just the space of a rural area would impact the way and how you play and kind of your your relationships to play versus living in in a more urban or even suburban area i would say yeah that's a great question i'm so excited by this I know, question now i want to go out and survey people <laughs> <laughs> making these really wonderful characters uh, and there being people in space I remember you mentioned earlier that there's not a very large game dev community where you are are you alone nope, in space not at all I am kind <laughs> of alone in space I mean there's like I know like one or two students that kind of dabble in game making but as far as like um, like hardcore game devs there's not there's not a whole lot um, out here that I know of, if, you know, if there are any that are listening right now, hit me up. I'm around. (laughs) (laughs) We can be friends. It'll be great. We can have meetups. (laughs) A meetup of, a meetup of two. A meetup of two would be wonderful. Cause yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got so many friends who are like, uh, uh, game dev friends, like, you know, in New York or in like, you know, the Bay area, all these like, wonderful hubs of, of, uh, you know, technology and people. And, and, you know, I see their, you know, their meetup photos on Facebook, like we're at the game dev meetup, you know, or weekly or monthly. And like, there's so many people and it's like, it's all awesome. And, you know, folks are trying out each other's stuff and I'm just like, wow, (laughs) I can only watch from here. I know (laughs) (laughs) my heart. I'm having so many feelings right now about feeling left out. Oh, that's so sad. So, I mean, what does game dev look like then when you're so isolated, I guess, geographically? Um, I mean, you definitely become very self-reliant very quickly, for sure. I mean, I um, um, like I, I mostly, uh, you know, I would call myself a unity engineer. So I do like, you know, um, like all the, oh, just like pretty much anything that involves like coding in C sharp or, or, um, um, working in the unity editor, like that's really, that's really my thing. So like, you know, interactions, like physics, like that sort of stuff, like that's, that's really what I work on primarily. Or like if, um, if I had my druthers, if I had other people to work with, that's what I would be working on. Whereas somebody else would be doing like the 3d modeling and then, you know, the texture art and like, like the, the VFX stuff would be someone else, not me. <laughs> Cause that's like kind of not in my, my wheelhouse, but since I'm out here by myself, I've kind of had to pick up a little bit of all of that stuff. Um, like same thing with game audio, like have to learn a little bit, you know, enough about game audio to sort of like, you know, get along kind of, but I mean, like, yeah, this is, this is part of what will make me move eventually is the fact that it is, it has been really difficult to sort of, um, get stuff like 
uh, seriously off the ground. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I definitely collaborate sometimes with people online, but it's just, um, I don't know. It's just the isolation makes it difficult. I think it would like, even if people were still in, uh, other States for me and, you know, we were just collaborating on, online. If I just had, you know, people unrelated to the projects like devs to talk with, um, you know, on my off time, I feel like it would just be way more motivated <laughs> to get stuff done. Yeah. So if the, the demo gets, gets its funding or as you continue kind of making it into a full game, is the hope to take it somewhere else and develop more of a, an in-person team? Um, yeah, yeah. Eventually. I mean, that might be far down the road. We'll see. Um, well, not that far. Cause obviously it's got to come out sooner rather than later, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, definitely. I'd, I would love to have an in-person team eventually, eventually, but you know, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's not like people in, you know, in those, those tech hubs I was just talking about don't also have people that they collaborate with across the country. So it, it very much is, um, like just kind of a, a, uh, um, like I, lacking a sense of community, um, need a sense of, you know, like that sort of feeling of, of, uh, community to like, you know, it kind of really bolsters you along, like, especially when you're kind of slumping a little bit, just, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, someone to have, have meetups with or like emotionally encourage you. Yeah, or, like exactly. sympathize with some sort of weird tech problem that's plaguing. Right, right, exactly. Pl- plaguing your day. Like that would be nice. Also get you out of your house. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good thing. I mean, your cats will miss you. Yeah. You- that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess if or when you move, what do you think is the biggest thing you'll miss about making games um in the Appalachian region in Virginia? Um, let's see. Well, I will definitely miss the low cost of living. I will miss that <laughs> above and beyond everything else. Um, just like, uh, the scenery is so beautiful. I know we were talking about how I don't get outside much, but you know, that's really, I do get outside and, and I really like, I'm kind of blown away. Um, especially during the fall, like when the, when all the leaves turn, you know, you're talking about those, those like rolling Hills just sort of covered with trees and, and it's, um, um, oh man, it's so, so gorgeous. Uh, so I'm going to miss that. And this is going to make me sound like a total, like, you know, somebody from the holler, but you know, I will also miss being able to buy rabbit at a reasonable price. I've come to like (laughs) buying a, you know, just, just a, for eating rabbit, not like for pet rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I love that. I think that is like my favorite statement you've said this entire episode. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's like super high. I'm going to miss being able to buy rabbit like at a reasonable price and everyone's like what pets rabbits and i'm like um it's you know you eat <laughs> sure <it>. yeah <laughs> you know i hadn't really even thought about that but i do miss rabbit and i used to yeah. eat a lot more uh, more and cheaply venison and like frog leg type stuff yeah yeah i love um the game meat is definitely an awesome that's an awesome plus for sure um yeah my guess is venison in most parts of urban california are probably ridiculously expensive yeah Better uh, goose. Goose is usually not easy to find. Or I don't know. I guess it kind of depends. But yeah, yeah. It's mostly for me. It's mostly the rabbit. Like I was. <laughs> it's it's funny. I was visiting my parents in Boulder, Colorado, um, like a, a little while ago, and um, you know, I was looking up like, oh, if we were to try to buy a rabbit here, how much would it cost? And it was like insanely expensive. It was like one rabbit was going to be forty dollars. Oh my god. For like a yeah, for like a, a skinned rabbit, and I was like what it should be like 10 bucks 
<laughs> That's bananas. Did you have? Yeah. Did you eat rabbit before you moved there? Or was that like a, a thing that you um, stumbled upon when you no, transplanted? I, didn't really, I mean, I never really sought it out ever. I mean, it was just kind of like you know, yeah, just kind of being able to get it easily here was um, sort of a, a kind of novelty in itself. And then you know, you're like, oh, let's do this because we're, let's get a rabbit because we're in the middle of Appalachia because it'll be funny. And then you have it and you're like, damn, that's actually really good. No, I just kind of <laughs> want it, want it as a culinary thing. <laughs> oh, your hipster irony is backfired. It really has. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith, this was so amazing. Thank you so much for for coming on my show. I'm so excited that I got the opportunity to pick your brain for an hour. I love being nosy with people who are interesting and touching back on what we we mentioned at the very beginning. You are very interesting. It turns oh, out. thank you so much. Interested. I mean, this was fantastic. I mean, thank me. Thank you so much for having me on. Like, uh, th- like this was amazing. This is actually the first podcast I've ever done. So oh, oh, still hoping it's good. Exciting. <laughs> we have to make sure I had set a high bar for for all your future famous podcasting um, opportunities. Oh, but, thank you. Well, the bar is pretty high. This was fantastic. Really. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love setting high bars for other podcasters to meet. Um, if, if people want to keep up with your, your work, especially so they can get you know, first dibs on awareness of when the demo has dropped and we can actually spoil, spoil what happens in the game. What is the best way yeah. to, to keep up with you and your work? Um, let's see. Website's probably the best way to go. So that's www.bedhousegames.com. Like bed is in the thing you sleep in, house is in the thing you live in. And yeah, so that's, that's a good place to go to see what's up. Um, following me on Twitter is really good too. Um, so at paper mantis, so praying mantis, but paper instead of prayer, prank or praying. (laughs) So at paper (laughs) mantis. Um, so yeah, those are probably the best ways to keep up with what I'm up to. Sure. Awesome. Sweet. Well, I will I will put all those down in the show notes, folks, for those who, who want to click instead of type. Um, and Meredith, you, you really are a super fascinating, lovely person. And as someone who is from Appalachia, I'm glad that there are folks like you who have moved there. Oh, thank you. That 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 really means a lot to me, actually. <laughs> like as you know, somebody not from the area, it's really good to hear from somebody who is from the area that you know, hopefully doing it some justice. Yeah, I think uh, my my other guest, Doctor Doctor Cat, pointed out that the the biggest difference is treating people like they're human, and you seem like a very empathetic person who desires to make people as human as possible. And I I think that is an amazing quality. So. Oh, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thanks. Well, everyone, please hit me up and let me know about. Now, I'm super curious if if you're listening, if you if you live in a rural or urban or suburban area, kind of thinking about how does the I don't know what even what the official name of it is. What's it called? The size of your population. How does the size of the the population of where you live affect how and why and what you play? Um, I'm super curious about that topic, and I definitely think I'm going to have to 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 do some delving into that. So thank you, Meredith, for giving me something else to be obsessive about. No Um, problem. (laughs) Come back for more anytime. (laughs) Awesome. And that, my friends, is my show. And we will see you next time on Gaming Broadcast. Bye. Bye.